0: at GraceKettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Romans chapter number eight and verse number twenty-eight. We know this this passage of scripture well. We know this verse well, but I want us to understand it in its context and what Paul is getting at. And so, by God's grace and with His help and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll do our best to communicate this this morning. Romans 8 and verse number 28, let's read that verse together and then I'll read on. Ready and begin. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among a few brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heaven's not going to be sparsely populated. Hallelujah. We're going to spend eternity up there with a a group of believers. You know, I just get the sense it'll be like going to a crowded church service. Over and over and over again. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we get a real fatalistic view of things. There are many who have responded to to the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also uh, freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. And I love what he just did there, what God did for us there. We often focus on the cross. But he says, hold up, he rose again. No one comes back from the grave, but Jesus did. And And so he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, yes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let's read that together. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's be seated and bow our heads and ask God to, to work in our hearts this morning. Would you, in the quiet of this moment, just ask God right now, Lord, whatever you show me, I will do. Lord, whatever you show me, I will do. I want you to speak to me. Lord, whatever you show me, I will do. Father, thank you for the sweetness of your Holy Spirit who quickens our hearts not just with salvation but quickens us in moments like this today where we can gather together as your body symbol and song be blessed with song give praise for the past and look with anticipation towards the future Lord, I pray that you would pull our eyes from the mundane, from the endless news cycle, from the rumors, all the things that that just pull us away from a a victorious perspective. Do you lift our eyes heavenward, would you help us as your children who struggle, have infirmities, sometimes we don't even know how to pray Lord, would you help us as your children to see ourselves as you see us, conquerors through you. So, Lord, I pray that you give grace in this hour to just to open your word and to understand it. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. Please do that. Lord, I pray that every hungry heart here this morning will be filled to overflowing. and We will give you praise for what you do in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. And God's people said, Amen. Praise the Lord. When we say amen, we just simply mean, so be it. I agree. And uh, we should agree. And, as, and I invite you, as, as we go along and we, as we open up the word of God, I invite you to just declare, Amen. Uh, I agree. I agree. Don't be bashful about that. Sometimes, northern churches, so we're not really a northern church, we're a midwestern church, but sometimes uh, midwestern churches may be quiet. It's all right to say amen, I agree. I, I agree with that, and, uh, and so uh, you're welcome, you're welcome uh, to do that today, but as we do it as unto the Lord, uh, because ultimately we're saying, God, I agree with you. I agree with you, and so when he touches your heart, make sure that you, uh, w- that you let him know that you agree. So, I want to set the context this morning for Romans chapter 8, the end. We're coming to the end of a passage or a section of scripture, Romans 6, 7, and 8. Really the first part of Romans deals with, Romans chapter 1, deals with God's general revelation. Man is, man is responsible to God based on his general revelation. We're all accountable to him. But we launch very quickly into the next chapters of, of Romans where we begin to discuss our great salvation, how we're justified, how we have Romans 5, peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we've been justified, been declared righteous. We come to chapter number six. God uh, asks us the question, shall we sin that grace may abound? You're, you're forgiven of your sin. Should you keep on sinning that grace, God's grace, may be poured out? And what does God say? God forbid. Chapter number seven, we find that there's a big struggle with this matter of, of sin, I am, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm declared righteous, I have a righteous standing before God, but I still struggle with my flesh, I'm still have this, this propensity to sin, what do I do with this? Paul goes back and forth, I, I want to, I want to obey Christ, but then I, I don't, and I, I sin, and I mess up, and I, I, I constantly go through this, and, and he just depicts this epic battle that goes on between the spirit and the flesh, and, and, he understands that if he yields to the spirit, he does righteousness. If he yields to the flesh, he does, he does uh, sin, and that displeases his heavenly father. He doesn't lose his salvation, but he's just in this constant frustrating battle, and he, and he gets to the end, and he says, Oh, wretched man uh, that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh? And, and literally he uses this picture to depict uh, when uh, criminals in those days would kill someone. Uh, there was a there was a punishment where they would strap the dead body to that to that living person and they would carry the dead body about but they would catch diseases. as the, uh, the dead body rotted and decayed and paul's just like who's going to deliver me from this body of flesh very depictive of our flesh very depictive. it's like we were walking around renewed on the inside with this body of flesh that always desires to do wrong and he says who's going to deliver me and he says, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's the victor. And with my mind, I serve the law of the spirit. With my, with my, my flesh, I, I, I unfortunately serve the law of the flesh. And I, I, I yield to that. And so he comes to Romans chapter 8. And he says, now, therefore, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, to them that walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. So those that are in Christ Jesus, they no more have any condemnation. There is no sentence against them anymore. Aren't you thankful for that? There's no more sentence against you. There is is no legal sentence against you in front of holy God. That's just astounding. And he he declares that. So he's coming out of the midst of the struggle. How many of you with Paul in the struggle? What about the rest of you? How many of you with Paul in the struggle between um, between the flesh and the spirit? You still there? You still there? Okay, some of you are getting engaged. All right. We all struggle there. Right, it's just like this. Brother Huey's back there. it's It's just kind of like this. Day to day, there's a struggle there. But Paul comes back to this reality. I am not condemned. And then he walks through this matter of yielding to the spirit and not yielding to the flesh. When we yield to the spirit, there's life and there's peace. Praise God. When we yield to the flesh, it brings destruction. And problems, and it messes up, and and in the moment, it always seems that that's the best way out. Satan is a master designer. He's a master advertiser. That if you just cave in the flesh this one time, you'll feel good. Every time it comes back and bites us, every single time, isn't he? Is why do we follow after him? I mean, isn't it amazing? And. We'll not get into this, but there is a way of escape in every single temptation. There is a way of escape. Aren't you thankful for that? But Satan is a master deceiver, and he's constantly just disguising the snare, and and there's this battle. But we are, if we will yield to the Spirit, we can be victorious and conquerors every single time. That's not sinless perfection. That is simply the, the reality of what we have in Jesus Christ. We say yes to the Spirit of God. We don't sin. Amen? Every time we obey the Holy Spirit of God, we don't sin. Every time we obey the flesh, we sin. So it, it's as clear as that. And, and the goal is that as we get closer and closer to heaven's shores, we're obeying the Spirit more and more and more. Okay, so we go a little bit further into, into Romans chapter 8, and we find that Paul begins to deal with suffering. He's, not, he's, he's dealt with sin in chapter 7 in the struggle there. He deals with afflictions and suffering and persecution and And then he deals in um, verse number 26 where, yes, we have this relationship, verse 15, with the Father. We can come to him as Abba Father. We can pray to him anytime, with anything, large or small, anything. But he comes to verse number 26 and he says, you know what? By the way, the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts so that even when we don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit's helping our infirmities and he's praying for us he's praying for us. Do you have a problem in your life, a struggle in your life right now that you don't even know how to express in words to God? I need deliverance. I need this to be conquered. I need victory in this area. I know victory is your will, but I don't even know what to ask for. I've been in that situation several times, many more than several times, but where I've been with somebody that's super smart and they have a lot of answers, but I don't know the right questions to ask them. You know, they they'll say, "Do you have any questions?" I'm not sure that I know what to ask. Like, yeah, I do, but I don't even know how to frame the questions. Because, like, you're an expert on this and I'm not. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is. He, is. he is there to say, hey, I get it. I get it. I'll ask for you. Now think about that. So based on all of that in that context, the Apostle Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good. You have a righteous position before the Father. You have the Holy Spirit that's helping you all the way along with the struggle, the sin, with the affliction, even when you don't even know what to ask, when you're incapable of asking, the Holy Spirit's right there. And we know because of all that, because of your salvation, who you are in Christ, because the Holy Spirit's help, we know something, and we know this that all things will work together for good. Everything will work together. The end of the story is already written, in a sense, it will work together for good. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that, and I hope that you will be. Isn't that amazing, friends? Everything will work together for good. Now, oftentimes we look at a situation, we come up to a trial, and we say, well, we know that all things will work together for good. Paul, is, Paul, in verse number 28, is stating the reality. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ and all that he is to us, who we are in Christ right now, not just in eternity, but right now in time, who we are, because of all that, it will work together for good. Praise God. And then he spends the rest of this chapter, what is probably one of the most triumphant um, passages of scripture in all the Bible. He spends the rest of these verses just laying this out, getting to our theme verse that we'll get to in a little bit. And I want us to catch a hold of this, what Paul begins to do next in verse number 29. He begins to lay out the triumphs of Christ, the triumph of Christ in your life. You say, I've never experienced. Yes, if you're a believer here today, friends, you've experienced. Let's walk through this together. I want us to really catch a hold of this, and we're going to do our best to, to mind time, but we're going to also just enjoy the scriptures. Are you with me this morning? The rest of you at whatever time, just exit. You know, walk out, go get lunch, okay? No, we're going to enjoy the scripture, and we're going to have a good time. So the triumphs of Christ, I want you to see the, the triumphant plan. The triumphant plan of Christ in verse number 29. Look at it with me, and I want us to catch a hold of this. Verse 29, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So there's a plan that God just lays out here. Through the apostle Paul pinning it, he lays out this plan. We need to understand he has predestinated us for a purpose. We'll get to what predestinate means in a second. But let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden for a second and set a scene want us to realize God created you for relationship. Say this, God created me for relationship. Say it out loud. God created me for relationship with him. He did. He wanted that relationship with you. And friends, as we think about this this morning, I want us to realize everything was perfect. Adam and Eve were created in perfect holiness and they communicated with god god came down and met with them he communicated with his creation think about the uh, the the wonder of that and so he created them for relationship chapter three satan who's already been kicked out of heaven who's already a defeated foe but is now allowed to wander on earth and he comes to Eve and he tempts her and tempts her basically with this. Did God tell you everything? Did God's word really mean what it said? Yea, hath God said, and he tempts her, and she disobeys, and Adam disobeys with her. Do you remember this? That the first sin was simply disobedience. Wasn't murder. Wow. Wow so the first of man's sins and satan's sins was pride and that i mean god hates pride but ultimately uh eve also in pride thought she w- knew better than what god had already said and she followed the serpent's temptation and so we have we have god creating us for his relationship we have man now disobeying And it seems as if uh, Satan has won a victory. Now he has been cast out of heaven. Man is created for God. But now it's like this rebel, rebellious, wicked individual is now leading a band. He's actually leading all creation at this point away from God into his own damnation, into hell. Now think about that. God created us for him, and, and Satan rejects God in heaven, is kicked out of heaven, and now is leading Adam and Eve away from God into his eternal doom. You, you would say, well, the show's over. <laughs> it's all done. This is a problem. Now man is, as God said, is separated from, from God and, and, and is banished from the garden, and they're going on their way, but Here's what God does. Genesis 3, verse number 15. Before we even get out of the chapter where sin happened, God says, hold up, I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send a Savior, and Satan, you're going to bruise his heel, but the Savior's going to bruise your head. And right there, God declared to us that he would be a conquering Savior. Wait a minute. Seems like Satan just won. He separated man from holy God. They're on their way. Murders. Lying. All the, the wickedness that goes along with their separated state be, um, between them and God. It, it, it's, it's awful. It's a, it's a dark day in human history. That's, that's the scene. That is the scene to which God is saying, hold up. I have a triumphant plan. That's verse number 29. And I want us to realize God already had a plan. First Peter 1 and verse number 18. Who verily was foreordained, speaking of Christ, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. He was He was foreordained. Before the world even began, God had a plan to send Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 John 3 and verse number 8, for this purpose was the Son of God made manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the purpose. And he was declared before even time began, before man even sinned, God knew that he would be sending a rescuer. He would be sending his Son, the conqueror, to the conqueror our salvation to conquer sin, death, and hell. And so what's the plan? The plan is, I'm going to send a Savior, and those that believe on that Savior will become just like the uh, the Savior. I'm going to send a Savior. Those that believe on the Savior will become just like the Savior. Look at it in verse number 29. That's exactly what he says. For whom he did for no. What does for no mean? God knows ahead of time. Does God know everything? Yes or no, church? Yes. This is not a big deal theologically we try to cram God into our, into our puny brains and try to figure out, well, hold up. If he knew ahead of time, then that means he determined, you know, he, that's, that's, it's already, it's going to happen. And so that's just the way it is. No, God created us with a free will, but he knows all things. Amen. He knows all things. We praise him for that. He knows all things. He knows about your tomorrow. He's already in your tomorrow. So he knows all things and those that he knew would follow the Savior, would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. I I have predestinated them. Now notice here, he did not say to heaven or hell. He said to be conformed to the image of his son. Predestination is not a salvation issue. It is a sanctification issue. It refers to To you as a believer, those that God knew would step into Christ in faith would be conformed to be like Jesus. He sent the Savior, his son. That Savior, those who believe on him, would be made just like the Savior. That's God's plan. Now, that's mind-boggling. Those that just spurned God, we've disobeyed him, we've said no to him, we've disobeyed, We've, we've acted in pride, and he says, hold up, I've got a I plan. I'm going to send a Savior, and I'm going to make it all better again. I'm going to make it so that you're going to be just like Christ. I made you in my image, and I'm going to recreate you in his image. That's amazing, friends. That's the plan of God for us. Jeremiah says this, uh, Jeremiah 1, verse number 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. I'm thankful that God knows all things. And I'm thankful that he can look down through the corridors of time and he could see that one day in 1996 that I would finally respond to the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and say yes and, and follow him by faith and say I do believe, I do accept the payment that Christ made on your behalf and he has predestinated me to be conformed to Jesus Christ. I have ups and downs and, and I go through the through the jungle as it were and through the wilderness and I'm I make pit stops and detours along the way of my sanctification, but he said, I have determined that you will be like Christ. Praise his name. And you will too. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm just a, I'm a worthless Christian. No, you're not. You're predestinated to be like Jesus Christ. Sometimes, we sense worthlessness in that way because we aren't on board with his, his plan. You understand what I mean? <laughs> Some believers kind of like a, a dog, a puppy on a leash. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Trying to train a puppy or you know I'll lead a ho- horse along that's not broken, right? Let's not be like that to God. Let's get along with his plan. He predestinated you. He has planned that you'd be made just like Jesus Christ, and that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, that he would be the preeminent one among many brethren. And I look forward to the day to see multitudes in heaven bowing before the Lord Jesus Christ and worshiping the firstborn, worshiping the Savior who was the firstborn, the one who is risen from the dead, and he has all preeminence. Colossians 1 and verse number 18, he has preeminence in this place, and he is to have preeminence. Why? Because he's the firstborn. He's the firstborn, and because... He rose, we rise, because he's a victor, we're a victor, and all these things that we are in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's the firstborn. What an amazing thing, and so what's, what's awesome here is that naturally, I don't love like Christ, I don't forgive like Christ, I don't have grace like Christ, I don't have, uh, mercy like Christ, I don't, I don't, I don't desire holiness like Christ. I don't have God in all my thoughts like Christ. I don't pray like Christ, but he has predestinated me to be conformed, to be just like him. And all along this journey, God's working out his plan, okay? But Paul zooms in a little bit further. Let's take the process, the triumphant process that Paul lays out in verse uh, verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, Them he also called. So he jumps back and says, Hold up, here's what here's what's actually happening. Let's zoom into this. God at some point came to you as separated from him, separated in your sins, and he said, Hey, this Jesus, he's righteous. You're a sinner. Yeah, that was sin. But it was a white light. No, that that's sin. That was cheating. You shorted your boss. You took my name in vain. You worship that idol. Yeah, you're a sinner. And the only way to have righteousness is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit comes into the world to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and we call that the calling. The calling. Now, God is calling the world to himself. He starts with general revelation. He says that all men it, are, are responsible to him based on creation. They're responsible to him. But then he specifically calls through the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of, of his word, through the, the sharing of the gospel that you will share this week with your, your coworker. worker he's, he's calling people to Jesus Christ and he's convincing them of sin, their sin, of Christ's righteousness and of their accountability judgment to come. He's calling them. So what do we we call that? It's being invited by the Holy Spirit of God. Again, God is, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to a few men. Anyone with me? How many men? Aren't you thankful for that? You know how arrogant the doctrine of Calvinism is? Well, I was part of the few. No, heaven's going to have many brethren in it. Are you excited about that? You see, you see how important doctrine is. You just lay it out. He's called us. There was a day you were called. The calling doesn't mean no one else is called. There was a day that the Holy Spirit stepped into your life and made the truth of God applicable in your heart, and you began to say, "Ah, something's." I can't just get over this, i got to do something with this. You were invited by the Holy Spirit of God, but as we go along, those that he called and those that responded were made justified, were declared righteous before God. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. By faith this justification happens, and justified means to be made righteous, or as some people say, uh, say, just as if I have never sinned. To be made righteous—that is a legal standing that we have before, um, between us and God. We are legally declared righteous. There is no more rap sheet in your file in the in the file cabinets in the offices of heaven. There is no more rap sheet. It's gone. And inside of your file is this this statement: the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ is in your file. Your your sins, your wrongdoings, your your pride—every bit of it—is in the bottom of the deepest blue sea that's what god says it is as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our transgressions from us that all happens in this matter of being justified you've been declared righteous and those that he has declared righteous he will and yes he has already glorified them we often think of glorification as happening when i step on the heaven shores yes that will be the reality you'll get a new body amen you'll get a new body No more sin, no more flesh, it'll be a new body. And in the moment, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be glorified. When he calls us up, when he raptures us up, that is going to be a great day. But in God's eyes, from God's perspective, your glorification is as good as done. It has already happened. God does not operate in time. He sees it as, as one event. You're called, justified, and glorified. It's all together. It's happened, friends. You are a glorified saint before a holy God. That's who you are. Well, I'm just a worthless sinner. I just can't ever get it right. No, you're a glorified saint before a holy God. (laughs) Think like it, act like it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think, oh, I'm just this. And you know what? We operate according to how we think. But tomorrow when you wake up on your Monday, no matter what the day's going like, no matter what happens on the news, you're a glorified saint before a holy God. This doesn't mean you don't struggle in this life. That's the reality. We have to step into in, in the, on the, the experience of what God is saying to us. You're a glorified saint before a holy, holy God. And so that is the, that is the process, the process in which God is working in our hearts. 1 John 3 and verse number 2, and ver, uh, chapter 3 and verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That's a, that's a statement of fact and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall, you remember, see him as he is. That's our reality. We're going to be just like him. And actually, before God, it's already happened. I love what Whitmer said. No longer will they fall short of the glory of God. No longer will they fall short of the glory of God? You don't. You don't. How is it that God, you know you and I know me. How is it that God could design such an awesome plan? How is it that you as a, 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 a man, a woman that struggles still with the flesh can be declared righteous completely, glorified in the Father's eyes, Made just like Christ in his eyes. He, he looks at you, he doesn't see you as this awful, worthless sinner. He sees you as a, as a justified, glorified saint. He sees you just like Christ. We've got to start looking at things a little differently. Christ is fully one. This for you. That alone should cause us just to bow and Absolute reverence. Why me? Why? Turn over to Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6. I'd urge you to read through this passage, but I want to point out something in this passage. It starts with us receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Be rooted, be grounded in him. Beware of the philosophies of this world. Uh, make sure that you're following after Christ, not after the rudiments of this world. Why? Because in Christ dwells the fullness of the bodhead bodily. And then it says, it says this. He's the head of all principalities. He's, he, he is in charge of all things. Verse 11. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. That that's, has to do with the, the taking away of the sin. It's talking about a spiritual circumcision. The taking away of the sin. Okay, It's what physical circumcision depicted, but it's the taking away. I, I praise God that he took away my sins. I praise God for that. Otherwise, I'm going to hell, right? What about you? You with me? That's an amazing thing. Let's not lose the wonder of this. So he goes on and he says, in putting off the body of sins by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So when he rose, I rose. Verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Forgiving you all trespasses. Right there, there are, there are churches that are built around you continue to Seek after the forgiveness. That's why the doctrine of total forgiveness is a a necessary doctrine for this hour for us to be preaching in this city. There are many churches that you have to work for that and keep on working after, keep on working after. No, he's forgiven you all your trespasses. Now, here's where I want us to notice. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. Your file, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross and has spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So what he did, he took your sin, put it to the cross, and he absolutely demolished, he ransacked Satan's plan. He demolished it, and he made an open show of it. By the way, God always has the last laugh. And so here it is. He has already won the victory at the cross. It is finished. It's done. He fully conquered sin, death, and hell for you. It's already done. It's not something to be finished. You didn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't accomplished at the point, hear me, at the point you accepted Christ. It had already been done. You simply embraced what he had already done. It's accomplished, and you made it your reality by receiving it by faith. And so what does Paul say to all these things? What does Paul say? Well, what shall we say then? He goes on in the next verses to ask five questions to further drive this in. The triumphs of Christ need to be considered. Now think about it with me. Follow along here. This is huge to us. He says, all right, so this being the case, if God is for us, and he is, because he did all this for us, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is? All right, we're going we're to ask these questions all the way through. So I want everyone participating, every mouth moving, all right? And who can be against us? Nobody. If God is for us, nobody can be against us. And he says that. And I was reading in Psalm 43, uh, verse number 2, For thou art my God, my strength, why dost thou cast me off? And I'm often reminded in, in our minds we can get in this, on this place of thinking, God has forgotten me. And you know what? That's a battle of the mind. It'll bring you into depression. So in mental, mental affliction of our mind, Paul just underscores the fact, no, hold up. Let's think through this right. Let's not get carried away here. Let's think through this right. If God did all that for you, do you really think God's left you right now? And Do you really think he's condemning you right now? If God did all that for you, church, let's say, give an answer to this. If God did all this for you, do you really think he's condemning you right now? Yes or No. No. Not going to happen. God is the self-existent one and the sovereign creator. And since he is for believers, no one can oppose believers successfully. That is why there is absolutely no threat. There is no match of the world against the church right now. Do You understand what I'm saying? They can threaten. They can shut the churches down in US, Canada, Australia, wherever they want, they're no match. Well, they're powerful, they have a lot of money. They're no match. Who can be against us? Not one person. Not one person. Not a president, not a dictator. No one. President of China hasn't been able to stop the church in China? President of uh, the dictator of North Korea hasn't been able to stop it there. Vietnam, Iran, nowhere. Who can be against us? No one. I'm thinking right now of of when uh, we used to play ball or um, play games and you'd have everyone line up and you have two team captains and they would pick, right? And they'd always pick the one who would help them win. And then, you know, you get down the line and that one person that everyone thought, they're the best sport player, and they just got picked by the other team. Oh, we're going to lose. And they automatically go into the game because they have that person on their side. We're going to lose, right? You, you all with me? You all with me? Friends, you got God on your side. What in the world are we messing around with this, this puny little thinking that we're, we're, we're done? That it's all over. The story's been written. The church is not going to go forward. The the church can't grow. The believers can't um, be saved. People can't be saved. Believers can't be discipled. We we can't move forward anymore. This is a bad day in America. It's a dark winter of death and so on. Listen, he might say that for our country, but I'm telling you that's not the case for the church of the living God. That's exactly what Satan wants us to think we are on the winning side, friends. We have God on our side. Who can be against us? If God is for us and he would not hold Jesus Christ from us, then we're on the winning side. We have nothing, nothing at all to fear. Who can press charges against us? Verse 33. Anyone? No. Not at all. This is a legal question. Paul's just posing, okay, let's go into the court of law. Who's going to Who's going to press... We just came from the mind. You think that someone's against you. No, no one's one's against you. God's for you. He's already done all that for you. Who's going to press charges against you? Well, if God is the judge and he declared you righteous, can a lesser judge undeclare you righteous? Can a judge who doesn't have an infinite lifetime, can another believer can another can satan himself undeclare you righteous what god has declared is absolute truth in your life no one can press charges against you that's pretty awesome who can condemn us verse 34 it's christ that died he's risen again he's at the right hand of the father he's making an intercession think about christ he is our advocate he's the one who's cast down every single accusation that satan brings up against you uh, but the God, he did this. Nope, I already paid for that one. 1 John 2 and verse number 1. We have an advocate. If we sin, we have an advocate who is Jesus Christ. He's always there. He's always advocating for us. He's always our lawyer there saying, nope, I paid for that one as well. He is our judge who sits at the right hand of the Father. He fully identified with us here on this earth, and he has fully reconciled us back to the Father, he is our high priest and the Bible says that he's ever making intercession for us. He's constantly praying. Hey, I pray for him today. I pray for that Kagan today that you would help him. Help him to walk in purity. Help him to allow your word to transform his heart. Help, help uh, it to be a genuine thing in, in, inside. Help him to be strengthened with might in the inner man. My Savior prayed for me today and he prayed for you too. <laughs> That's our God. Who can, who can condemn us? no. Jesus is up there It's a loyal. Friends, to bring it down in our terms, people, people pay lawyers to be on retainer. By his grace and his mercy and his love, he is on retainer for you at all hours of the day. Constantly declaring, I already paid for that. I already took care of that. I got this. I, I'm praying for him about that. I really wish he wouldn't, but I'm praying for him because I want to I keep helping him come to be more like me. What a Savior we serve. Who can condemn us, church? No one. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. It is no ground of confidence to assert or feel that we will never forsake Christ, but it is the strongest ground of assurance to be conceived that His love will never change for us us this isn't about my love towards him this is all about his love towards me we cannot be separated from the love of the lord jesus christ he gave his own life greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends he didn't just lay down his life for his friends he laid it down for his enemies of which every single one of us was his enemy who can separate us from the love of jesus christ church no one. Who, what can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? Nope, none of those. Not even martyrdom itself. Yesterday was the fifth, or not the fifth, it was the anniversary of the, the martyrdom of Jim Elliot and his five friends, or the five of them. Do you know, even in that, I was thinking about that, even in that very instance, though they gave up their lives, they went to be with Jesus, and Jesus conquered that tribe for him. God doesn't lose. And they're in the love of Jesus Christ for all of eternity, face to face with Christ my Savior. What an amazing thing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Not any of those things. Persecution, we fear it. We fear it. And I think that part of why God's leading us into this thought process this year is to, to just really come to grips again with this fact that, friends, we have nothing to fear. We have absolutely nothing to fear. So what if you or I lose something this year, but we're closer to the Savior? We're further along in the journey. What happens if our church doesn't always get to meet in this place? What happens if we meet in some woods someday will we still be the church will we still have the love of the lord jesus christ will we still have our salvation settled will we still be glorified saints before him what what do we have to lose nothing nothing We have only to gain. And so, friends, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And this is why Paul comes to verse number 37, and it's almost like he just explodes. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So with everything we have just said, this is where Paul lands. We are more than conquerors. We are super conquerors. And I want us to notice our triumph through Christ. And so he says... Christ's triumph is our triumph. It's actually not just what he won for us at the cross, but it's actually our triumph that we are to be experiencing on a daily basis. Yes, over your sin. Yes, over your depression. Yes, over your besetting sin. Yes, over that relationship issue. Yes, in any area of your life where you need to see God do a wonderful work. It's already been conquered. Now it's time to experience Christ's victory. Christ's triumph is ours. He says in all these things, over any sin, over any obstacle that hinders me from fully obeying the will and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all these things. Think about it a little bit more. Paul talked about mental afflictions. He talked about legal afflictions. And he talked about physical afflictions, persecutions, and so on. He says in all these things, he also talked in Romans 7 about sin. He's talked about suffering. He's talked about the slander of Satan against believers. He's talked about all these things, the struggle. He says in all these things, we are more than conquerors. The idea is to defeat surpassingly, above the norm. Uh, it, is a, it is one word in one word that from which we get this uh, this idea to to uh, to super to super have victory or uh, literally you could say it like this we are super victory we are super victory it's it's above and beyond there is no match for this triumph this conquering paul did not believe in barely getting by holding his head above water mm. i'll make it i'll make it but just hold on until jesus comes no He believed in the abundant life which Jesus came to bring in John 10.10. I've come to, to, to give life and life more abundantly. Over the top conqueror. We get our word Nike from this. Nike doesn't have anything on the conquering. The conqueror that you are through Jesus Christ. You don't have to wear a pair of Nikes to conquer It's through him. He's already won it. We've, we've laid that down. He's already conquered sin, death, and hell. And because we're in him, verse number one of Romans 8, because we're in him, we're conquerors too. And he just says there, through him that loved us. Through him that loved us. What a great assurance. And it's almost like Paul couldn't get enough of this thought. We're conquerors. I mean, I, I can't belabor that. We'll... we'll We'll talk about specific areas as we launch into some preaching over the next uh, couple of months. I can't, like, I mean, it's really a simple thought when you come down. Wouldn't you agree with me? It's really a simple, we're conquerors. We just have to frame, we have to understand it right in the context of all that God has done for us. So I, I can't say much more about we're, we are abundant conquerors. I mean, I, I just, there's not much more to say. That's, that's who we are through him because just look at his life how he conquered that's us that's in him that's us that's it so Paul says, through him that loved us. And it's like he couldn't get away from this concept of love of, of Christ because in verse 38, he says, for I am persuaded. Now, I'm confident in this fact. I, I am just, I am I'm riveted. I am convinced of this fact. And he goes on to continue to talk about the love of Jesus Christ. So Christ's triumph is my triumph. Christ's love is my confidence about this. And in verse number 38, he says, so uh, death? Life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature, they're not going to separate me from Christ's love. And because of this, I am a conqueror through Christ. I I can be confident about this. His love does not fail. I am a conqueror. This is what I am. None of this. So think about it. Wait a minute. Well, if I, and I'm not belittling, but if I catch the virus, am I separated from Christ's love? Just this past week, I know many of you have been through different circumstances. But my dad was in the hospital last Sunday. It was touch and go, friends. Uh, That that's a little rough. I've 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 feared about getting to that point, where it'd be touch and go with my parents. Many of you've walked through that, but I've not. It's touch and go. But it didn't change where he's going. Life, yeah, challenges. Probably got some sitting on your desk for tomorrow. Some are thinking about them now. No, not that either. Angels in the spiritual realm, things I can't see. No, not that. Principalities, people that have power. No. Governments, no, no. <laughs> God just must laugh at what governments are doing right now. Bars can stay open, but not churches, because everyone knows no one gets a virus inside of a bar. God must just laugh. Things present? You tired of the up and down right now? Yeah. Well, I just wish we could rewind and go back to the 1950s. The 1950s had problems too. Things to come. Well, I don't know about the future. Christ's love is still there. He's already lived the future. I mean, he's there. He's in your tomorrow. He already sees the storm from the other side. Height? Physical distance? No, no. Is Brother Wayne and Miss D all right over in Lafayette, Indiana? Yep, they're still in the love of Christ over there. Do we miss them? Yep, yep. Any other creature? Nothing. And based on his love, friends... You can be confident. You're conquered just like he said through him. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere. I can go with him. I can go anywhere with him. I am safe. On your best day, you're still a conqueror through Christ. On your worst day, you're still a conqueror through Christ. When you suffer defeat in your spiritual walk, you're still a conqueror in Christ. When you have anxiety about the future, anxiety about problems in your life, you're still a conqueror in Jesus Christ. That's the fact. When you're worn out and too tired to go on, you're still a conqueror. When you're ready to give up, you're still a conqueror. Why? Because he has already conquered it. It's conquered He's already settled it. The score has already been settled. He is a conqueror, and nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can sever you from his love, and because of Christ's love for us, we can be confident that we are more than conquerors through Christ over sin, every sin, every besetting sin, and every obstacle that gets in our way. Every, every sin, every obstacle. Here's what I want you to catch. We're going to go far far more with this tonight. I want you to catch this as we obey Jesus Christ because there's going to be things there's going to be things this week that Jesus says to you I want you to go through I'll give you the victory I should say I've already won the victory I'll let you experience that victory that I've already won if you'll simply obey me There's that song Trust and obey, for there's no other way, sing, to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You know how to claim his victory, his conquering in your life? Yes, in that besetting sin, trust and obey. So you're you're tempted tomorrow. You're tempted today. And he says in 1 Corinthians, he's made a way of escape. And so, in that very moment, you're tempted, well, I think that would be pretty pleasurable. Oh, but that would be a sin against God. I'm going to take the way of escape. I'm going I'm to turn away. I'm going to pass not by it. I'm going to turn from it, as Proverbs says, 15, 13. I'm going to go this way, and I'm going to embrace the way of escape and experience the grace. I'm going to reach out to somebody in that moment and say, I need help. I'm going, to, I'm going to memorize or repeat that scripture that I've memorized to help me overcome that specific issue. I take the way of escape. Friends, as we trust and obey, we claim the victory he's already won. He has won the victory over every single sin that that besets you. Every mindset, every attitude, every problem, he has won the victory. And as we, in that moment, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit and trust him by faith and obey what his word says, we experience the victory. Why do we make it so hard? It is. <laughs> it's where the rubber meets the road. But that's the reality. We are victors. We need to now experience it. We need to claim it by, by faith. And this isn't, I'm not talking about a name it and claim it type thing. And people can run and you know, make millions off of this type of preaching, you know, you, this type of concept. You know, really bolster people. We're not, bol- this is all about bolstering us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you follow what I'm saying? So as we trust and obey Him, He gives us the victory to do what He's asked us to do. Well, Hey, I've been really wanting this new this new job position. And so I'm a conqueror through Christ. So I'm just going to I'm just going to go and get that this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna this is gonna be my reality. I, I really believe it's gonna happen. This conquering has to do with removing out of the way, conquering over sin and obstacles that keep us from obeying the will and the word of Jesus Christ. We can be carnally minded about this. I'm a conqueror. I'm getting whatever I want. Name it, claim it, get whatever I want. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about conquering over sin and obstacles that hinder us from obeying the will and the word of Jesus Christ. You with me? With me? So as we think about that, I want us to to finish with just trying to crystallize something in our minds. I said earlier in the service that we oftentimes talk about I'm a conqueror I get really afraid when a new believer, older believer, doesn't matter, says, you know, I got this. I'm never going back. I got this. I'm never going back. Nothing can, nothing, nothing can throw me off now. <laughs> I've seen so many go back and fall back in the same trap because they thought they were the conqueror. So I am a conqueror, and I am a conqueror through Christ, are two wildly different things. One is, I got this. The other is, he's got this. It's just where it is. So this needs to be a year for us as a church, you individually. This needs to be the, uh, the, the year for us just saying, I see the problem. He's got this. This morning, Brother Steve comes in. He's concerned about his mom. She's 91 years old, not saved. He needs to come to Christ. He's burdened. You probably have people like that. Where are you? Brother, you came, you came by. Brother Chris came by. You know what? We just had a quick word of prayer right there. What is that? He's got this. We need to repeat that scenario time and time and time again. Lord, we need your provision. There are some things that I'm going to say tonight you might walk away and you say, well, pastor's just crazy. Will you just, will you just commit to saying, he's got this, he's got this, he's got this in your life, in the life of our church, he's got this. This is not times to dip our toes in the waters. Is it, is it safe to go forward? I don't know. Our kids do that with a swimming pool. Is it cold? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I want to go in, just take the plunge. He's got this. He's got this. It's, it's it's okay. He's got this. Does God want to add believers to his body this year? He's got this. Does he want you to win souls? He's got this. Does he want to change your family for him? He's got this. He's already the victor. Does he want to give you victory over that besetting sin? Yes, he's got this. Your lust, he's got this. Your will, your anger, he's got this. Your suffering, he has got this. He's already the victor and we need to step into it. I need to raise my children for God. He's got this. He's got it. I need to influence my grandchildren. He's got this. I'm so fearful. This needs to be the year... That some people return to the assembly and stop fearing in your homes and come back to the assembly and say, he's got this. It's time for the church to stop quaking and acting like we're not conquerors. We are conquerors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to take that message to your friends and your family and the rest of our church family and say, he's got this. He's got it. And when we know that we've understood this well in our mind, that he's got this is going to immediately bend our knee before the Lord and say, God, I admit you have this. And I need you, I need you to take, um, take control here. Help my unbelief. Help me through. Give me wisdom. Tell me what to do. Help me to follow your impulses. And it's going to drive us to prayer. We're not going to say, I got this. He's got this. And we're not going to both. That he's got this is always going to be attached to some prayer. We need to grow in that area this year. The Lord's been working in my heart about that. I've asked the Lord for years to work in my heart about that. And it seems like the Lord has been working, and how does he do it? He always does it through trial, suffering, and different scenarios like that to bring us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got this. So here's what I want to do as we, as we close this morning. I want to give an invitation around what we can all do here this morning. Every single one of us can be a part of this invitation. Really, in a moment, I'm going to ask us all to bow our knees at our pew and commit something to the Lord. Before I get there, I want to share the goal, the spiritual goal that I really believe that the Lord would have for us to set out ahead of us you're going to have to make this specific the holy spirit. You can ask the holy spirit to make it specific to you in your life, but we're going to do our best to make it specific for our church tonight. I urge you to be here and be a part of the gathering tonight. Where are we going as a church? What does God want us to, to focus our attention on? Look at the back of your handout or on the screen. My prayer, my earnest prayer for myself, for us this year, is that we would radically increase our understanding. This fact that we are conquerors through him. First, that he's the conqueror. He's already triumphed. And we are conquerors through him. To radically increase our understanding of it. I understand this morning... This isn't a one pass and we're all done. We got we got this. We're gonna have to chew on this, right? Are you with me? Will some of you meditate this week on this this truth? Maybe even just get back on and say, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen again and just try to really digest this because I want to catch w- where pastors where, pa- where God's been leading pastor for this year. I, I just really want to catch this. I want I want I want to understand. I w- and just meditate. I've gone back to this passage of scripture multiple times and and read and prayed over it and prayed it back to God and 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 talk to the lord about it. This is amazing stuff. So I want to radically increase our understanding and our experience of conquering through Christ. And I don't want to just have a head knowledge about it. I want us to understand and experience it. That experience comes in trusting and obeying. That experience comes in the high priests at the edge of Jordan putting their foot in the water and then God <laughs> then God won the victory. Then the, the water split. We do the exact same thing. We, 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 we get there and we just wait. Well, God's the victor. When's he going to come through? He's waiting on your trust and your obey. And mine too. And us as a church. That's, that's what he's doing. So to experience that conquering of Christ, now in what areas? over sin and every obstacle that hinders us from obeying the word and will of Christ. I believe there's some areas as a church that we need to see that happen. But you know what? A church is made up of people. So together, as we determine to make this our goal, by God's grace, we're going to experience some victories this year in the face of, as some would say, a dark winter. I was driving down the road this yesterday coming into church. The sun was shining brightly and I was reminded of the fact that my God is still the bright and morning star. He still has brightness that we can't approach to and I don't care what any leader says. It's hitting the dark world and dark winter for the church. This is the church's finest hour, and I want to experience. How about you? I want to experience all of that. I don't want to leave one thing on the table. And by God's grace, let's make this our goal. Pray over it. Write it down in your Bible. Pray over it. Let's make it our goal. Name that one besetting sin. That's the thing. God, un- increase my understanding, my experience of you conquering that area. By the end of this year, I want to I say I have am, I am been delivered from that. been delivered. I've experienced Christ's victory that I already won in that area. That one growth barrier, that one obstacle, name that thing and say, by God's grace, I want to increase my understanding and my experience of victory in that area. Name it, whatever God's bringing to your mind, and begin praying on it. Seek his victory. Claim his victory. By God's grace, I can only imagine what God's going to do in our hearts if we will unite our hearts around this. This is his truth. This isn't mine. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Right now, all across the auditorium, if you're physically able, find your knees. And let's bow before the Lord. Thank him for being the victor. Thank him for being the victor. Thank him for conquering. And then ask him to help you to, to understand it more and that you, would, that you would be able to personally experience it. If you'd come and play play a song for us this morning a moment I'll ask you to sing but right now just all across the auditorium would you thank him thank Jesus that he is the conqueror and that in him you are a conqueror too a conqueror through Christ a conqueror through Christ